Chapter Thirteen of Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks by Tudor Jenks. Chapter Thirteen: What Gypsy Found. So long as the big watchdog was waiting outside. Gypsy had no wish to leave the box, but when the big dog was gone and all was quiet, Gypsy began to consider how he was to escape and get back to the ship. Try as he could, Gypsy was unable to climb up the smooth sides of the box. The loose board was too high for him to reach it, and there seemed nothing to do but to gnaw his way out. So he tried to make some impression on the boards, but it was useless, since they were too smooth inside to give him any hold. And he could do no more than scratch a few tiny splinters from the sides. Having kept at this work until his short nose was sore, Gypsy gave up the attempt, and like a sensible little fellow, coiled himself up and resolved to wait patiently whatever might come. He was so very patient that he soon became drowsy, and then began to snore. In spite of his sleep that evening, Gypsy was soon lost in the land of dreams, dreaming of the country home of his puppydom, and of his street wanderings in Paris. It was broad daylight when he awoke, and as he did not quite come to his senses at first, he believed drowsily that he was again on shipboard, for the box was swaying gently to and fro and up and down. As Gypsy came broad awake, he remembered all that had happened, and knew that the box was being carried somewhere with a small dog inside. He very softly raised himself from the bottom of the box, and found a crack between the boards through which he could look out. Gypsy could not see much. But the little he saw was enough to make it plain to him that the box was being carried on the shoulders of a tall, dark native who was climbing a mountain trail. Where he was going and how long he had been travelling already, Gypsy had not the faintest idea. He believed that he must have waked soon after the journey began, but he did not know. Not being acquainted with the native who was carrying him, Gypsy, of course, decided to keep quiet for the present until he could get some idea of whether he would be petted or would be made into dog stew. But naturally, it was not the happiest day of Gypsy's life. The journey went on until the sun was well overhead, and then the native stepped aside into the shadow of some trees, let the box drop from his shoulders, giving Gypsy a terrible bouncing, and lay down to rest. Gypsy was inclined to grumble at being tossed about in so rough a fashion, but when he recovered himself and looked about him, he found reason to be very glad of the tumbling. When he stood up in the box, he found that it had turned halfway over. So that what had been the top was now at the side. Gypsy knew that he could pull the loose board inward and escape as soon as the drowsy native should fall asleep. The open side of the box was away from the native, but through a crack on the other side, Gypsy saw the man's feet and knew he was lying down. He hoped the man would snore, for then he would not be afraid to steal out. So he patiently waited. In about ten minutes, Gypsy heard the snoring sound and very cautiously caught hold of the board. Pulling it inward, it yielded readily, opened wide. Gypsy crawled softly out and was free. At least he was out of the box and able to run about. But where to go was a puzzle. Of course, he knew nothing about the country, and there was nothing in sight to guide him back to the town from which he had come. Yet, though his eyes could not serve him, he had another servant that proved more useful. He at once began by scent to trace the steps of the native down to the coast. Following the man's footsteps would bring him back to where the box had been, 
and then thought gypsy i'll find jack's tracks from the french restaurant back to the ship and once back in the ship the dog decided that he would try to get either to paris or to america without caring much which for he had convinced himself that he was not wise enough to go about the world alone as he went trotting along as fast as he could follow the scent gypsy did a lot of thinking and besides kept his eyes about him for fear he might run into some party of natives he was not afraid the native that carried the box would come after him for he felt sure the man had not known he was inside gypsy saw many queer sights in the woods as he went along plenty of monkeys for one thing monkeys that chattered at him and threw branches or nuts at him as he passed and he saw some snakes and queer-looking spiders but he hurried on without giving these much thought suddenly when gypsy came to a cross trail he stopped and began sniffing the ground most searchingly then he threw his head upward and then again began to smell about he seemed very much excited for his body quivered all over at last being alone in the woods he spoke aloud to himself something he had almost never done before well he exclaimed by the father of all the dogs that have barked at the moon that scent was left by my old master's foot or there's no trusting my nose any more again he went over the trail it was somewhat confused as if a large party of men had passed there but gypsy could not believe he had made a mistake in knowing the tracks were his old master's it can't be possible said gypsy again i'm surely dreaming here i am i don't know how many miles away from france and here is the scent of my old master's trail it isn't possible but all the same it's true i can't always trust my mind but i can always trust my nose so here goes i will follow his trail wherever it takes me so saying gypsy at once left the path he had been following and took up the new one it led him directly to the bank of a river and then followed a sort of rough highway among the rocks all that afternoon gypsy followed it and just at nightfall it led him to a large encampment of soldiers although gypsy did not know anything about it there was fighting going on at that time between the french and the malagasies as the natives of madagascar are called and the trail he had been following was that of a body of french soldiers who had been sent to capture a native village had gypsy known the soldiers were french he would have entered the camp without fear but now he made up his mind to go around the camping ground and look for the trail on the other side that morning there had been a little skirmish between the french soldiers and the natives it had been soon over and the natives had run away leaving their village to be destroyed by the troops according to the orders of the french general these orders had been carried out and nothing but smoking ruins remained there had been a sharp fight first and one of the french soldiers in pursuing some natives had gone astray when the natives were out of sight and the soldier turned to rejoin his comrades he could not find his way this did not worry him at first for he felt able to look out for himself until his comrades should find him but presently he began to feel weak without knowing the cause soon he found great difficulty in keeping his feet so much had his weakness increased and besides he felt deathly sick he sat down under a tree and leaned against the trunk then looking down he saw a slender arrow that hung by its barb in the side of his thigh the wound it had made was very small too small to have caused him any trouble but the soldier knew that some of the natives still used poisoned arrows which they blew through long wooden tubes then he was frightened for he knew that unless the tiny wound was properly cared for 
he had not long to live. Yet he could not walk far by himself, and he was afraid he might be abandoned by his comrades, who would think that he had fallen in their fight with the natives. He tied up the wound as well as he could, but he did not know how to treat it. He grew weaker, and at length lost his consciousness. He did not know how long he lay senseless, but he was awakened by a little dog, who was pulling at his arm. He opened his eyes drowsily, and the little dog capered around him joyfully. "'Don't you know me?' cried the little dog in French. "'Don't you know me? I know you. I am your little dog who was with you so long ago in Paris. Your dog that did tricks, the dog that they stole from you. Wake up, master, wake up. You must go back to your friends. They're near.' And all the time Gypsy kept running about and wagging his tail for pure joy that he had found the master he had thought was in Paris. "'Yes, I know you,' said his master, smiling. "'But I am so weak, I can hardly move.' "'What's the matter?' Gypsy asked. "'Are you hurt?' "'I have been wounded,' said the soldier. "'Not a large wound, but it is poisoned. "'Unless you can bring me help soon, I shall die. "'You must run and bring some of the soldiers from the camp.' "'Yes,' said Gypsy, "'I will. "'But can't you send a word by me? "'Can't you write? "'If they should hear me speak, "'I don't know what they think.' "'You're right,' said the soldier, "'to whom hope had given strength. "'And taking a pencil from his pocket, "'he wrote a little note on a scrap from an old letter "'and tied it around Gypsy's neck. "'As soon as the note was fastened, "'Gypsy dashed off at the top of his speed, "'with his heart drumming his ribs.' He went so fast that two or three times he rolled head over heels, but stopped only long enough to see that the note was still fast to him, and then went on, helter-skelter. Gypsy dashed into the camp so recklessly that he scared the guards, and one of them shot at him, luckily missing. But Gypsy did not stop until he tumbled into the officer's tent, where he stood wagging his tail and whining. "'My life, what's this?' exclaimed the officer and then saw the bit of white paper. In a moment he had read the note and given his orders. In a few minutes a squad of soldiers were following at Gypsy's heels, and before nightfall the wounded man had been brought into camp, treated by the surgeon, and was resting quietly, very sick and weak, but in no danger. End of chapter 13